Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. This is another edition of the Sport Clips Hall of Fame podcast. This is Chad Jordan. I'm the director of digital marketing uh, here at, uh, at Sport Clips. And excited because I am joined today by, who do we have with us? Hi, I'm Gordon Logan, CEO and founder of Sport Clips. Yeah, so surprised we have Gordon with us today. <laughs> he is literally Sport Clips Hall of Fame. So when we when we named this, we actually named it after him. Uh, it just took me a couple months to finally wrangle uh, Gordon down and, and get him here. But uh, we're going to have a good time. What we want to do today if you listen to the last podcast we had with Julie Vargas, first of all, it was tremendous. Make sure you go back and listen to that. We took uh, a leap back 25 years ago to 1993, and we went in a DeLorean, the, the Back to the Future time machine. Now, <laughs> Gordon is a big car fan. I don't know if you guys knew that out there. Uh, but his car is more – so I think your time machine has to be more of a Jaguar. Is that is that what we well, go could, with? It could be a Jaguar. That works. I still have my 69 Jaguar okay. that I bought new in, in 1969. So, so we might retrofit that. Yeah, to, to be a time machine. Uh, in fact, if you ever make it out to, we're here in Georgetown, Texas. If you ever make it out to the uh, Sport Clips headquarters, there is a garage full of uh, wh- wh- your favorite car over there. Which, which well, one that would has have to be the 1928 Packard that my father bought new in 1928. And that's the one after the podcast you said I'd get a chance to drive if things <laughs> go well. Is that is that right? Uh, a long time after okay. the podcast. We'll, have, we'll, have, yeah, <laughs> wait, wait, we'll, we'll see. The chances are this podcast will not go well enough for me to do that. But but so so we take we take a we take a a, a drive back. We go 88 miles an hour. And we go uh, in back to 1990. Actually, I don't even want to go to 1993. Can we go back a little bit further? Because what I'm really interested in is is what is going on in your life in the early 90s, in which you begin to think, "Hey, there's there's something else I want out of." I mean, you were uh, an Air Force veteran, mm-hmm. CPA, correct. that's correct, um, MIT graduate. Ivy League MBA. Um, <laughs> there's probably a bunch of other things thrown in there. So in the late '80s, early '90s, has that entrepreneur spirit already started to kind of burst forth, or are you starting to, you know, dip your toe in the water? What's going on around then? Well, I've been in the salon industry for uh, oh, 12 years or so. By the early '90s, opened my first salon in Austin um, in 1979, February '79. Okay. So I have been in, in business for myself for quite some time, uh, running salons uh, all over Texas. Uh, had salons in uh, Austin and in Dallas-Fort Worth area, out in Abilene, Waco, Temple. And um, opportunity came for me and another franchisee to purchase the franchise that we were in called Command Performance at the time. So in December of 1991, we became franchisors. Um, and that's really the background of, of where we were. Uh, so you became, you went from being a franchisee to now being the, a franchisor with this partner? Correct. And how, are we talking a dozen locations? Are we talking? Oh, at that time, we probably had about 100 locations. Okay, um, throughout? Throughout, I don't know, 20, 30 states. Wow. Quite a few. Mm-hmm. Um, the system had been in bankruptcy, had been bought and sold several times, so it was not in the best of shape. Yeah. And... Um, we worked on that system for uh, several years trying to uh, rejuvenate it and get it re-energized. And people had been going their own way for too long. There was very little consistency in the system. and we So had hard to have operational control. Very and, difficult. Yeah. Um, and uh, so 
we had a lot of franchisees that had been in the business for quite some time, and they were looking for exit strategies. Um, we then started looking into the future and what trends we felt like were developing and where the opportunities were. And 25 years ago, no one was paying any attention to the men and boys market. Mm-hmm. So, Because yeah, this was mostly a female salon. Guys it, would it, come to it, but you know, because their right. wife was, goes there. Or it was, it, we, we had both men and, and, and women as clients, mostly women. Um, and um, so when we started looking at it in the future where we wanted to be in 20, 30 years, we felt like uh, it was more productive, would be more productive for us to create a unique concept that would take advantage of the vanishing barbershops. Back in, in mm-hmm. the early 90s, mm-hmm. the barbershops were traditional barbershops were going away, and there weren't very many young barbers coming along. So men really didn't have a good option. Yeah. And we felt like if we created the concept specifically for men and boys, that would be an opportunity that would carry a long, long way. So why... Uh, why sports and not a dinosaur themed or Lego or whatever else <laughs> men and boys? Uh, you know, what 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 was it about sports that just made it seem to click? Well, we we thought about the hair force, but then <clears throat> so well, no. That's like <laughs> <laughs> you thought you might get sued by uh, by your old employer, right? <laughs> right. Um, so once we decided to focus on men and boys, sports became kind of a natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, for two reasons. One was to cut through the marketing clutter to get people's attention when you're yeah. trying to advertise. And two was to create the environment, the ambiance. So our goal was when a man or boy walked through the front door, they'd look around and say, okay, it's my kind of place. Yeah. I feel comfortable here. Yeah. And we felt like sports was a, a good way to do that. So you've landed. Uh, so now we're, we're around 1992. <clears throat> Right, correct. That is kind of where we where That's we correct. are. That's when we were in the thought process. Yeah. And how is how do you go about at that time? Uh, I, I assume you've you've had experience, so now you're you're putting the system together. You're you're putting the layout of the first store. How do you pick where the first location is? It wasn't easy, and there really weren't many options in uh, Austin at that time. We Texas was still in the, uh, the tail end of a uh, recession mm-hmm. or almost a depression in Texas mm-hmm. back then. Hadn't been any new shopping centers built in quite some time. Uh, so the, the uh, options for the location were limited, especially for a brand-new startup concept. So we picked one that was on a high-traffic area, uh, easy to find, a uh, major intersection in northwest Austin. Um, it wasn't an ideal center. Um, had a dance studio next on one oh, side. Yeah, I heard about which that. Julie told dance. you about yeah. that. <laughs> uh, a nail salon on the other side and an Indian restaurant on one side and a Cajun restaurant called uh, Pearl's Oyster Bar no. uh, that subsequently burned down when they were having Elvis's birthday party one night. <laughs> wow, they could have used the flooding from the first day's location to help. Yeah, could have worked. Yeah. Uh, so we, we came up with a location that today we probably wouldn't put a sport club mm-hmm. in, but at the time it was the best we you, could yeah, do, so we made it work. judicious, yeah. We uh, made it work, mm-hmm. and... Uh, I think it really points out uh, Julie did a fantastic job for us as our manager. Yeah. And if you run a good operation within the four walls, uh, real estate is not as it's important. It's not location, location, location. That's correct. It's yeah. operation, operation, right. operation. Um, so um, uh, a question that I got uh, just burning in my brain from my uh, time with Julie. She told me the very first day the store opened. 
you were at a wedding. So who who <laughs> did did John Paul did he pick the wedding date first or the grand opening date? Which of those two? Was that a chicken and egg thing? How did that work out that it, his wedding just happened to be on one of the, what turned out to be one of the most important days of your life? Well, uh, in hindsight, I don't know why we didn't postpone the grand opening a week or mm-hmm. accelerated the week. Did you ask him to postpone the wedding? That's the real thing. Didn't think oh, of that, okay. Chad. Right, uh, yeah. You didn't think of that. But uh, we were uh, we felt like it was important to be there at yeah. the wedding uh, for relationship purposes. And, and JP and Eloise got to be good friends. And and uh, it, was quite, it was quite an event. It was a wedding of a lifetime, trust yeah. me. Yeah. Um, and up in the uh, hills of uh, Malibu. Wow. And a 30,000-square-foot mansion they'd built up there on the top of two hills they leveled. Uh, the guest list was like Hollywood, and it, Robin Leach was there doing oh interviews gosh. with lifestyles, yeah. rich and famous. Yeah. And uh, who was the uh, singer, the lead singer for uh, The Who? Um, Roger Daltrey oh my was singing You Are So Beautiful to Holy Eloise when cow. she came down. Cher was there. Uh, Daryl Hannah was there. I think you're giving us some good ideas for some grand. You remember <laughs> this? This is like a grand opening's first day. Maybe you could have brought a little bit of that to, uh, to Austin. That would have been great. So we were, unfortunately, we were not here uh, when it happened. Um, we called in Saturday morning. Uh, to see how things were going, and, and Karen Haney, uh, that, that Julie talked about yep. a good bit yesterday, uh, was our vice president of operations, and uh, only time I ever heard Karen cry mm. when she it answered was, the phone. How's things going, Karen? Oh. <laughs> she was bawling. You wouldn't believe what happened. We left last night at midnight, and everything was perfect, and we came yeah. in this morning at 7, and, and the, the whole well, just salon. the frustration alone of having left a pristine and gotten everything right, <laughs> only to have it really washed away. So she was very resourceful, and she got um, some emergency people out there to help uh, clean up the uh, uh, water and put the heaters and everything. I think they opened around noon. So Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's amazing. Didn't slow us down that much and didn't do so much damage to our shop but mm-hmm. uh yeah that we you know the dance people weren't too happy yeah. with us yeah free haircuts <laughs> for life uh so do you have any other since we're still looking at 1993 any any memories from that first year or two any struggles challenges that you had to overcome or some highlights that you, you care to share with us well we had we had a lot of uh the process of developing you asked me earlier about that how yes. did we develop the concept yep. uh we did have a foundation, and we'd been working within a franchise system for quite some time. And we had uh, an eight-step play in, oh, okay. in, in the um, command performance, and we pared that down to a five-step. And what actually we we conformed our five-point play to the Paul Mitchell five-point mm-hmm. s- system they had for training uh, s- uh, salons and hairstylists. Slightly different version, but we. We were using uh, Paul Mitchell training programs and their advisor programs <coughs> as a as a pattern for our training. Was that programs. like a wedding favor that he, that they they let you do? That? Since you came to the <laughs> wedding, we'll give you this five point. <laughs> well, JP was always very and Luke were very uh, good to yeah. us and cooperative, and <coughs> we'd known them for some years at that point, and um, so we we adopted a lot of their um, philosophies and, and uh, training programs and used a lot of their trainers. The cutting system that we came up with, the all-star cutting system, mm-hmm. using the clock as a reference point, yep. uh, we used uh, a couple of um, Paul Mitchell trainers uh, who mm-hmm. had developed that. And, uh, Tommy Callahan, working yeah. with some other folks, Tommy, had Tommy. developed the uh, cutting system, and, and it was primarily for female. Uh, 
but we adapted it to so Ben's Tommy Scotch. goes 25 years back with Sport Clips too. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Known Tommy longer than that. Uh, so we uh, were very tight. When we first opened up, we were 100% Paula Mitchell. That's all, the hmm. only product we carried uh, for about four or five years. And then American Crew got to be yeah. popular, and I called JP and said, "JP, I know we've been." <laughs> <laughs> I Remember, know, I was at your wedding that, uh, that first day we were open. <laughs> I know we've been 100% Paul Mitchell, but he said, "You know, whatever you think's best, right. whatever's going to make Gotta Sport Clips more successful." Yep. So, we added the American Crew in the late '90s uh, as our second line. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the um, design—we knew in our mind what we wanted to create. Um, Working with salon designers, every design they came back looked like a beauty salon with some posters on the wall. Mm. Just weren't happy. And our trade association was having a meeting, our annual meeting out in Phoenix uh, that January. And we had hired a um, retail store consultant designer uh, to come in and look at some of our members' uh, salons and give us pointers about how better to merchandise products. Okay, yep. And I thought those ladies did a fantastic job on that. And I said, I think that's who we need to design hmm. our store. So we literally had the blueprints. Ready, we were permitted. We were ready to go. And with we, the other con- with the, with you know, layout that you were going to go with. And so we threw it in the trash and started wow. all over. And uh, they did a bang-up job for us. Yeah, yeah one they of the best decisions did a great job you guys made in, in the early days. They captured the spirit of what we were looking for. Now, were you looking... Uh, I remember talking with Julie. She said there's some concepts, I think it was Planet Diva, if I remember right. Yes, that's uh, right. That's a good memory. Uh, that uh, that was intended to be in malls, Yes, right? that was a mall-based concept. But did you have the vision that sport clips could pretty much go anywhere, or were you aiming for strip malls, or malls, standalones? What? At the at in you know again in our time machine here in the early '90s, what what were you, what was your thought around that? Well, we actually had three concepts. We still had the Command Performance, yeah. which was a full service salon. Everywhere, I mean, or was that in malls mostly? Both. Okay. Both, mm-hmm. and uh, we did have one in the mall where we put Planet Diva, um, and we envisioned a three tier program. That we were thinking we'd hire um, stylists, young stylists, perhaps right out of school, and sport clips. Okay and train them like in evenings or whatever on how to do perms and colors and ladies hairstyles and then promote them up to command performance and then take our best stylist out of command performance and put them in planet diva Mm -hmm. which was uh, so going upscale from sport clips all the way up to planet diva yeah and what we quickly found out was the stylists who were really passionate about sport clips didn't want to go. <laughs> right, yeah. don't, don't, don't throw me in that briar patch. Let me stay here. Yeah. They had no desire to go do perms, colors, and ladies' hair in command performance. So that didn't work out so red hot. Uh, we we've came to the conclusion fairly quickly that Sport Clips was where we wanted to focus our attentions. And so we sold our command performance and the Planet Diva in the mall to Regis Corporation, mm-hmm. who was buying a lot of salons back then. Yep. And that's uh, also we... Um, negotiated with uh, Paul Finkelstein, who was the CEO of Regis, that our command performance franchisees that were looking for an exit strategy, we would introduce them, facilitate, and um, they would pay us a termination fee to compensate us for lost royalties. So they bought 75 or 80 wow. uh, command performances, almost all of them, uh, around the country, and that's where we got the seed money. I was going to say, start. that helped finance oh, absolutely. everything that happened with Sportless. Absolutely. Wow. I reminded Paul about that <laughs> many times. 
Now he wants a time machine <laughs> so he can go back. Uh, so did you know early on, uh, within a, a year or two, that, hey, we, we got something here? Uh, um, you know, I, I know you're confident in that this was, was going to work, but, but now that you realize we don't need the three-tier, we got this one. Uh, exactly. Was it was it pretty instantaneous? Within a year, two years, you're like, this is. This it is what took we're us doing. Uh, six to twelve months to really get the kinks worked out of Sport Clips, mm-hmm. to really get it start moving in the right direction where we felt comfortable. And uh, then we perfected the cutting system, the, the training programs, uh, all the operating manuals, the marketing programs, and so forth. And started franchising two and a half years later in, in November of '95. How many people? Uh, just just thinking about this, Julie, I know, was managing, but she was probably also doing some of the office stuff that you're describing here, putting together operations manuals or anything um, like that? No, not so much. Okay. Nancy Vanderver, who was our vice president yep. of education, who had also been vice president of education for command performance, mm-hmm. so I'd known Nancy for 10 years at that yeah. time. Um, she uh, and Karen had a lot to do with that, and I actually hired a consulting company out of Houston, uh, a franchise consulting company, to help us put the manuals together. Right. Oh, excellent. So uh, we're now two, three, four, five locations all around Austin, or has has it started kind of spreading out from the hot spot here? The first franchise location we had was in Houston, uh, and that opened in November of 1995. Now, who's that uh, that team leader at the time was? (laughs) Jane Foot. Ah, you're kidding. (laughs) I didn't know that. she was partners Congrats. with a lady that was uh, awesome. a vice president of something or another back yeah, then, yeah. who uh-huh. she had worked with in a consulting firm okay. uh, out of Houston. Did they move to Houston and run the store? Jean um, always had was lived. Was she there? Yeah, she'd been living in Houston for quite some time. Okay. And Janie lived in Houston. Okay. Uh, so they were there, um, and um, that store opened in 95. Then we opened three, I think, uh, company stores in Austin area in 96. Mm-hmm plus another uh, franchise location, two more franchise locations in Houston, I think. Did you know, uh, was it easier now picking locations? You didn't have to just go somewhere, or uh, at this point the recession's maybe over? Yeah, we were coming out of it by then, yeah. So there were some new construction, new shopping centers going on. Um, <laughs> there was one uh, in Houston. Gene and I were the real estate department. Okay. Uh-huh. We all had multiple hats back then. Gene was real estate and uh, field operations, or running the uh, team leader and uh, marketing. And, and um, I, I was kind of the chief cooking bottle washer wherever I needed to be. Mm-hmm. I, I tried to help out. So Gene and I visited, I'm, I'm sure, every real estate developer in, in Houston and Austin. Um, trying to convince them to take a shot with yeah. this new startup franchise. Um, one of the funniest ones was there's a uh, center there in Houston right across from the Galleria that we still have a store in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a brand-new shopping center, upscale shopping center uh, by Weingarten. And the, the the lady that was in charge of it, who's still with Weingarten, um, she, her vision was upscale. So upstairs, okay. it was a two-level deal. Upstairs, they had an Aveda salon, and they had Morton Steakhouse, and, um, and they had a FAO Schwartz, which oh, is yeah. gone now, yeah, but it was like a super store. upscale yeah, toy store yep. up there. Very, very nice shopping center. So Patty Bender was her name. She didn't understand our concept, and we explained it to her and showed her the pictures and so forth, and she said, 
You know, I just don't understand. Why would anybody want to watch sports while they're getting a haircut? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Little so, did she know. Um, our uh, real estate agent knew that she, she was married and had a kid, had yeah. a son. So uh -huh. I, said, I gave her a couple of free haircut uh -huh. coupons. I said, why don't you just give uh -huh. this to your husband and your son and let them go try it and tell you what they think? So she called me a week later and says, well, they loved it. <laughs> I still don't get it, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to. Right? Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll cut a deal. So we uh, and, that's, that, and that's a great example of some uh, on-the-ground marketing, you know, giving out a couple free haircuts, and look what you got out of it. So, we got a really good, that, that store did really well from almost day one. That's yeah. tremendous. You, you've been mentioning some names. Uh, I, I want to know some more of these maybe they could be sung or unsung heroes, some of the early contributors to Sport Clips' success and what they meant to, especially in the early to mid-'90s, uh, to the growth of Sport Clips. Can you give me some people? Well, uh, Karen, um, mm -hmm. Nancy, and Julie were probably the three that had the most okay. uh, to mm -hmm. do it, and Gene Booth. Yep. Um, and um, we had a very small support team back then. Yeah, right. <laughs> Nothing like five buildings and everything uh, you no. know, that's going on here to you know, well, nowadays. Well, we were in the building, which is we call Building 1, where my uh -huh. office is. Yep. Uh, I moved into that building in um, December of 91. Wow. So we had, I think we had a, a lady that answered the phones, um, a bookkeeper, and I think one other person. That was it. Mm -hmm. um, and then Nancy and Karen and, and, and um, Jean. Um, so that small group got a lot done right. in, in a relatively wow. short period of time. Uh, although the first five years were struggle, it took us five years to get 50 locations mm -hmm. up, and all in Texas. Oh, okay. Uh, we started here, went to Houston, and then we went to San Antonio, had a couple of locations down there. And then, I can't remember, it was around, around 2000, uh, we went to Dallas. Uh, Mark Mansfield was one of the first oh, really? uh, franchisees yeah. we had up there. <laughs> what had he been doing at the time? He was selling software for um, okay. having something to do with the oil patch. Mm -hmm. uh, and his client, he traveled a lot. He he was a super platinum plus on, oh, Delta, they call yeah, it, on, on Southwest Airlines. Oh, okay. You know? In, in fact, the only Dallas Cowboy game I've ever been to was some tickets that Southwest Airlines gave to Mark wow. because he was such a great customer. Wow. So he was spending a lot of time in Houston, and he, I think Schlumberger was one of his clients, and their office was a couple of blocks away from our uh, sport clips there, so he was getting his hair cut at sport clips. That's how he got introduced. He started as a client. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. now he's Mark and Jan Mansfield. So. And I, I remember the most difficult part of the thing. Mark wanted to negotiate the franchise agreement. <laughs> we had a clause in there. I think it's still in there. That if a franchisee went public, that – we could charge them $25,000 for legal fees to review it because if you go public, oh. there's a lot of documents yeah. and SEC yep. and this, that, and other. And Mark didn't like that. Mm -hmm. So best of my knowledge, he hasn't gone public yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's only been 20-some uh, years or whatever, so give him some, give him some time. You know. uh, I, I'd like to know uh, something about, you know, so 25 years ago, uh, there's a, a young boy by the name of Edward, Yes. Uh, was he going by Gordon, GE? What was he going by at the well, time? Well, we Did called him Gordon, Gordon Edward for years. Gordon Edward, okay. So Gordon Edward, he's, oh, I don't know, five, six, seven years old when you start? What? Well, let's say in 93, he'd have been seven years old. 
seven. Mm-hmm. So is he in there as a coordinator? Is he sweeping up? Is because uh, there's no vacuums back then, I believe. Oh, sweep, absolutely. Oh, there were vacuums back uh, in, in 1993. Uh, from day one. Wow, I love from it. From day one. So okay, so not so he knows not to bring in his own broom. <laughs> he is he is he in the store? using you know helping out and, and kind of learning that kind of stuff, or is he you know playing with Legos and, and well, matchbox cars? And, when we had the grand opening there at uh, TX 101. We had a radio station do a remote, and, uh-huh. the, and the Coors girls came by. Oh, I like where this is going. Okay. He, he really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden, he took a new interest in so Dad's I, line of work. Yeah, I think this is all right, Dad. So, <laughs> uh, so he's now uh, president, yes, COO. Yes. So you've literally seen him grow up oh, in sport clips. Absolutely. Can you give me some uh, proud dad moments? Of of what where you kind of seen him grow and and, uh, and and what he's doing now. Well, you know it's it's interesting how kids develop and from very very early age, um, he had an interest in the business. I had my office in my home until '91, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> when he was just a little fella, you hear us answering the phone. Uh, Command Performance, may I help you? Uh-huh. And one day, he was maybe two years old, and the phone rang, and he picked it up. Command Performance, hey, man. Nice. <laughs> Skip it in. That's right. Uh, and uh, so he's always been interested in it. He worked in the uh, office uh, after school um, or in the summers. Mm-hmm. And he, we still do review all the plans for the stores to make sure things conformance and so forth. And uh, I trained him on how to review the plans. So while he was in college even, uh, he reviewed oh. plans for us. Um, I paid him $100 for every plan he reviewed, which was a good deal for us. And it gave him some beer money, yeah. so it worked out. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm sure it went to good use. Uh, he, we, we agreed that once he got out of school, uh, he would go to work somebody somewhere else for a couple of years. Okay. Get some what, what, why? Well, we felt like it'd be good to see the real world. Okay. Um, and to make sure, was it to make sure he... Uh, make sure this is what he wanted yeah, to do. he wasn't trapped or anything. Correct. Felt stuck. Yeah, so it was his, his call, you know, mm-hmm. whether he wanted to come back or not. And he worked for Deloitte Consulting, which is a first-rate right. operation for a couple of years, got some really good experience, and came back with us in January of 2010. Okay. So, so a little yeah. over eight years yeah. ago. Excellent. And, uh, he started working with Betty. My wife, Betty, was um, running our company stores at mm-hmm. the time, which at the time, I think we had 14. <laughs> 14 and now uh, 70 70 and this is july of 2018 so yeah. who knows uh how many more but uh, um he, he started out running a single location and he was responsible for a single okay, location which, which one i think it was tx 101 but okay. i can swear to it yeah okay and uh he did well there so betty gave him half a dozen a north Austin or something like that did well there, so what was he doing while running them? I mean, uh, working with the managers, okay. and, you know, the support, uh, uh-huh. manager training and support, and and helping them with scheduling, whatever needed to be done, just mm-hmm. like a team leader would, mm-hmm. um, and uh, doing some marketing as well. So he uh, eventually got really good at store operations. Right. So Betty kind of faded into the background and let. Mm-hmm. And she saw the writing on the wall, and she saw a great pivot point for her. I got uh, some some guy here that can can help out. It, it worked out. Betty's a stylist, mm-hmm. um, so she'd been in the business a long, long yeah. time, and she's very good at operating salons also, and, and uh, was doing a good job. But but she saw Edward was really taking off, and uh, so he he became mm-hmm. in charge of our company stores. Mm-hmm. 
Um, at the time, we had a vice president of operations, Connie Boltinghouse, yeah. who worked with uh, Mark Carter at Regis for years, um, mm -hmm. 15 years, 10 or 15 years. Um, and she retired and went back to school, I think, and got her divinity degree, master's wow. degree. Nice. And I met Connie through a mutual friend who had worked with her for a long, long time. And she became our vice president of operations, came out of retirement. So retired from Regis and had some time in ministry and then mm -hmm. came over here. She came out of retirement and um, with our understanding, it was probably about a five year. That was about how long she wanted to yeah. work and so forth. And I thought that would be really good for for Edward to work under mm -hmm. uh, with Connie for that. Kind of mentor of her mm -hmm. and, and, and help him grow in that role. Yeah, right. So he, he was. He, he worked with uh, Connie for four or five years, and then when she retired, uh, he became vice president of operations, and later got promoted to chief operating officer, and then in April uh, was promoted to president. Yeah, and things are now, I mean, humming along. It's a great year. Yeah, well, uh, things are really, looking tremendously. Really, yeah. really good year. Things are really running well, um, and I am freed up to some degree. Yeah. Um, Edward's taking care of more of the day-to-day -day operations that I, I've been uh, looking after. And that works out well for everybody. So I'm just gradually kind of back off a little here, I, a little I, bit there. I've seen you on social media. You're visiting stores. You're, they're, they're looping you in uh, to be coordinator. And so I've seen you cleaning up after. Uh, that actually, I love that part where, where you do. You come in not just to sign autographs, but you're, you're there to to obviously build up. Uh, I enjoy visiting stores. Yeah. I was up in Minnesota week before last in Chicago. Uh, this in about two weeks, I'm going to be up in uh, Northern Virginia, Maryland, New Jersey, um, mm -hmm. Tennessee. How, so there are, the, the, you might know the, the exact number, 1,700 in the U.S., 1,730. 30 locations, and then Canada has... 40. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. You're way better at math than I am anyway, so I was told there'd be no math on this podcast. <laughs> but uh, out of those, how many do you think you've you've actually stepped foot inside and, and seen? Are we talking a couple hundred? Oh, well over half, I'd say. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah Including uh, quite a few in Canada. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, a couple more things, and then I'll, I'll let you get out of here. Uh you mentioned Betty, and you mentioned that she, by trade and nature, is a stylist. Mm -hmm. So does that factor in into where you were in the late 70s deciding to do the whole command performance thing, And I mean, or, or 80s or the 90s or whatever? I mean, is this really fed into your love for this industry, the fact that you're married to well, a woman like that? I like to tell people so I'm not a stylist, but I, I like stylists so much I married one. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, uh, I met Betty when I was uh, running command performances. Okay, okay. So, so Betty came, we met after I'd been in business for about two two years. Okay, like yeah, excellent. Yeah. Um, and so I, I imagine what, what I've seen about stylists, their care for people, uh, how they just want people to feel better, look better, mm -hmm. all that kind of yeah. stuff. So that's certainly been at the heart of everything that you've done with Sport Clips. Well, there's no question years. Betty's had a big influence on um, my philosophies, and, and uh, we worked together mm -hmm. for years running salons. Yeah. So, um, and then she kind of retired when the kids, when our daughter was born in 89, and then she came back in 06 to help run the 
not to help, but to run our company stores. Yeah. So we've worked together for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why she needed a break, because she had worked <laughs> together with you so long. That Edward comes along and is willing. And, all right. So, no, so you are traveling quite a bit. Uh, now, now that you, you know you kind of transition some of this stuff off, so do you guys get to go together? I mean, are you, are you taking her on, on some of these? I know you go on road car trips and other other fun things. It depends. Some things. We were in uh, South Carolina. We were visiting. I forgot about that. Last month I was in South Carolina too. Uh, your, your home state. Um, and Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, visiting with Bill at Marianne Votel down there. Uh, and we were there in uh, South Carolina for IFA, International Franchise yeah. Association board meeting. Uh, so that's one of the things that um, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time on is our trade associations, yep. uh, our chain salon franchise uh, trade association, ISBN, that I've been active in for many, many years. President for eight years, I think it was. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. It seemed like eight. It might have been four. <laughs> to everybody else, it seemed like eight. But to you, it seemed like four. Yeah. Uh, I was on the board for like 10 or 12. Uh, still very active with that. And we have a coalition called Future of the Beauty Industry Coalition working for uh, change in regulations. We, our industry is regulated in the states. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one of the reasons I was in Minnesota uh, with the meeting with that group uh, as well. So and um, VFW uh, Foundation Board, the USO. Uh, advisory board up at Fort Hood, so I get you know I'm, I'm involved in a lot of things. So I'm still busy. Yep. Um, but uh, the pressure's off as far as day to day operations. Yeah, you, yeah, exactly. You don't feel uh, everything on your shoulders in terms of keeping the plate spinning here. No, we have such a great leadership team here. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, the whole the whole leadership team is just outstanding. So I feel very comfortable that it's in very very good hands. Yep. Uh, and we're going to probably later this year do a, a separate podcast on this topic, but I did want to ask uh, one or two questions around uh, our, uh, our charitable um, partnerships. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously you being a veteran, uh, we're a very veteran-focused company, uh, not just with Help a Hero and some other things, but a lot of franchisees, team leaders that, uh, that are veterans as well. So can you describe some of the, the positive experiences that you've seen over the years Sport Clips make in communities or even nationally with some of this charitable work? Well, I think, you know, the, the most obvious example is our Help a Hero yep. program with the VFW, and we've raised over $6 million wow. for the VFW yeah. Foundation. Um, and we started out funding uh, essentially all of the free phone calls home for troops mm-hmm. overseas and, and in hospitals. Um, and as the troops started coming home and the need for those phone calls decreased, we still fund that, but uh, we shifted our emphasis to a scholarship program. And so we've awarded over $4 million in scholarships, uh, roughly 1,000 scholarships have been mm-hmm. awarded. And we've helped people get everything from uh, commercial truck driver's license to law school, medical school. Wow. So it's a whole gamut. And how do, how do they qualify for that? Is there a, a process, a form? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a, a third-party uh, company that um, the VFW Foundation retained, and that's what their business is, helping select people for scholarships. So we have a ranking system. Uh, veterans can apply through the uh, VFW Foundation website. Okay. Um, then the third-party company goes through all the – uh, applications and, and ranks them and, and makes recommendations to what it is. We still could use a lot more funding. Only about mm-hmm. 15, 16 percent of the applications we get we're able to fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a big need there. Well, uh, what we'll do with this podcast is we'll get a transcription 
I will link to that process and okay. this part of the conversation so that uh, so Larger. that people can both uh, request. And is there a donate button on, at uh, the VFW site? I'm know? sure it is, but it's on our website, too. Okay. Uh, if somebody does donate through the VFW, mm -hmm. make sure they, they uh, use the sport note that it's okay. a hero scholarship okay. program. Um, we also work with the Red Cross uh, yes. every September oh, in the Blood Drive yeah. coming up. Uh, Matt Lewis and his uh, team in North Carolina mm -hmm. started that program, geez, five, six years ago. And it became a regional program, and then we adopted it as a national program, which has helped them set records for yeah. blood donations. Because what do they do? The free haircuts for if uh, you donate blood mm -hmm. or, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. for the month of September? I think 17,000 were redeemed wow. last year. So That's a lot of blood and a lot of hair. Yeah. Both. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we also do a lot of other things. We do. Uh, oh, St. Baldrick's. Uh, St. Baldrick's, we're the first national sponsor yep. of St. Baldrick's. We committed a million dollars over three years mm -hmm. to St. Baldrick's, and I think we're about two years into that program. Mm -hmm. we and you still don't have your beard from when it got shaved I at that not. huddle a couple years ago. So. Save my mustache, yeah, but yeah. not my beard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we were around $750,000, $800,000. We've raised already with another year, year right. and a half to go. Um, Ageless Aviation oh, yeah. Dreams, yep. a great program. Uh, we're the primary sponsor on that with the Stearman biplanes giving uh, rides to uh, veterans in assisted living I homes. love seeing those when stores yeah. participate and put it on their social media. Oh, yeah. That's just uh, it's heartwarming. and uh, It is. Tremendous. It means a lot to the veterans, and it means a lot to our team leaders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, really. it's so intrinsically rewarding, yeah. right, yeah. Uh, to go out there and do that. So we do some other things. Uh, when I'm up in northern Virginia in, uh, in a couple of mm. weeks, we sponsor the Aletheia Foundation. There sponsors dinners every Friday night yeah. for uh, soldiers and um, uh, going through um, rehab mm -hmm. at, at, at Walter Reed yes. uh, Naval Hospital. They and their families, and some of them are there for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. So getting and this is once a year. Or uh, they do dinners? it every Friday night. Oh my gosh! We, okay, we do two or three a year. Okay, so we, we, we actually sponsor. sponsor a couple a year. Mm -hmm. Okay, wow. And. Uh, so they they it's really nice for them and their caregiver their family members are we talking soup campus. kitchen or are we talking we're talking about down? morton steakhouse oh okay All right. <laughs> wow. nice yeah. really nice uh it was started by a fellow who owned a steakhouse in a hotel there in uh washington i don't know 20 years ago mm. something like that and it's taken on a life of its own yeah. now so it's uh, i love it we do it we do a lot of dinners at the national press club which is really a cool place yeah um but uh, yes yeah, first class yeah um, then, then USO locally we do the uh, um, boys and girls clubs. We do mm -hmm. Casa, which is court appointed uh, special uh, advocate. Special I think. advocate, yeah. 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 Uh, we we do that Williamson County Child Advocacy Center. Uh, we do Rock, which is right on center for kids, which equine theory, therapy uh, for kids, especially kids with emotional problems mm -hmm. or autistic kids and veterans with PTSD. Yeah. Uh, so. Wow. That, that's a very, very worthwhile program, and we're the um, title sponsor for the USO fundraiser uh, every year uh, for Fort Hood. And, uh, Fort Hood's the largest military installation in the U.S., wow. in the world, I think, um, and the USO does a great job up there supporting So we we got to stay busy just to fund all these charitable a activities and endeavors that uh, Sport Clips is supporting. Well, and, and that's, there's other smaller uh, things that we help out yeah. with, YMCAs and so forth. Um, but then our team leaders in our yeah, stores right, around the country do yep. things on their own, too. So uh, Sport Clips gives a lot back to the community, and I think that's very important. It's part of our culture. 
Um, and mm -hmm. I think that's one of the reasons why we're able to attract and retain uh, some of the outstanding people we do because we are a caring, giving right. organization. Right. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention the Wayne McGlone Memorial Relief Fund. Sure. Um, as you know, Wayne was an area developer yeah. in, in Maryland and had a heart attack and passed away at a very young age. And uh, we established this program um, in his memory because Wayne passed away Monday or Tuesday of a week that weekend, we lost two stylists. One was a manager and one was a stylist in car accidents. Oh, my. We went like, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, how <laughs> many gut punches can we take, right? So, you know, it's, we have 17, 18,000 people in our system, mm -hmm. so it's inevitable that bad things are going to happen to good people. Mm -hmm. And so we established this fund about five years ago to help our team members when they have uh, un unexpected tragedies or serious illnesses, uh, tornadoes, floods, car wrecks, whatever. And to date, we've awarded, I think it's $1.85 million to right. our team members. Tremendous. What about uh, two more questions? Well, okay. two more questions that, that can have follow-ups, and then I'm going to ask you some that I can't follow up on. Okay. So uh, the first question, uh, speaking about all this charitable activity and um, core values and treating others the way they want to be treated, that sort of thing. Just looking back, what, what do you think has been, over these 25 years, one of the most rewarding parts or rewarding uh, features of your Sport Cliffs experience? Well, one of my favorite sayings is uh, Zig Ziglar, who's a motivational yeah. speaker. I yeah. love Zig. Uh, he's not with us anymore, but he's a great mm -hmm. speaker, motivational speaker. And uh, one of his sayings was, you can have everything you want if you help other mm. people get what they want. Yeah, And that's really what franchising is about. We, we've uh, been able to help our team leaders achieve their dreams or goals or financial independence, and we've been able to help a lot of our team members achieve their career objectives and raise a family, buy a home. Um, so a lot of opportunities have been created for a lot of people um, that might not have been available to them otherwise. So that's the most rewarding part about our experience is just seeing so many people um, happy and, and feeling good about themselves, about their personal and their professional lives. Uh, that's that's a great part of what we've Was that one of the main factors in the early days on why you wanted to franchise? I mean, you could have taken this one, especially when you saw it was successful and just kept it to yourself and gotten financing and done it all. But was that mm -hmm. one of the, was that one of, or what were the, uh, what was the key reason on why, why franchising? Well, the key reason uh, was that we recognized that if we were successful, which I intended to be, um, that there would be copycats, knockoffs. Mm. Yeah. And I, I wanted to grow it from a local to a regional to a national brand as quickly as possible uh, so that even though when copycats come along, uh, we would be top of mind awareness. Right. Footprint when, already. When people think yeah. haircuts for men and boys. Right. And, and a good example of that is Regis Corporation started the knockoff concept six or eight years ago called Pro, uh, Pro Cut Sport. And even with all their resources, a New York Stock Exchange company yep. with a huge balance sheet was not successful. And that whole system came up and they opened 20 or 30 and they're all gone. Right. And um, that's because I think that we had established ourselves and other people trying to piggyback on the sports theme mm -hmm. and so forth. It just didn't work. So is that now a uh, uh, a nod 
or a kind of recognition that copycats are going to come and mimic you uh, out of envy or is are, 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 is there ever any personal offense like oh here comes another one that's trying to <laughs> you know they even taken our colors you know right our logo colors how do you well, do that i think the time i got insulted a little bit was when uh, aaron Gronin and his dad who started roosters uh-huh. in michigan yeah. Move their headquarters to Round Rock, which is 10 miles down. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was crossing the line. Yeah, Literally on, a state gosh. line, a county line. <laughs> right in my backyard. What is this? Um, but, uh, you know, there's, there's uh, America's a very entrepreneurial country. Mm-hmm. And so there are always going to be people looking for opportunity. And they see our success and they think, well, if he can do it, we can do it. Um, so we have a lot of uh, com- competition out there. Yeah. Obviously, everybody's getting their haircut somewhere. And we have to take market share away from people that exist today, and they're trying to take market share away from us. So that's why it's uh, so important for us to focus on inside the four walls right. and executing a five-point play. Yep. If we do that, we're just fine. We've mm-hmm. got many uh, locations that are in the same shopping center, in some cases literally next door yes. to competitors like Great Clips and Haircuttery and other Supercuts yep. and others. We do fine. Yep. I, do was, fine. I was visiting a store in Philly. Yes, and, in North uh, Philly. Yeah. yeah, and there's a, a, a uh, competitor. Yeah, yeah, right mm-hmm. next door, and a, a mom with two kids went right by the hair cuttery and came in uh, yeah. to that location. Now she may go next door to hair cuttery. Yeah, 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 yeah she <laughs> might. But while, while her kids are yeah. getting lollipops and uh, the MVP yeah. experience next yeah. door. Uh, so uh, last question, and then the and then the quick follow up questions. I know you got to go. Uh, what? is maybe the biggest change you've seen in 25 years industry-wide, um, you know, from 1993 to where we are today? You know, this industry doesn't change a lot. Uh, it's very slow to change. Um, if you think about it, it's pretty basic. You can use a pair of shears yeah. or a clipper and you cut hair. Styles change, techniques yes. may be modified a little bit. I think the biggest change really is uh, technology. Um, oh right, yeah. We've uh, we're using we were we were computerized back in the early days with 286s and 14.4 modems, and <laughs> it was pretty primitive mm-hmm. by today's standards. But it got the job done, and we at the time we were cutting edge. Mm-hmm. Um, from day one, we always had uh, sales reports um, available to us from all the stores, so we could monitor trends and identify where we needed to put attention and so forth. Uh, today, of course, it's much more sophisticated. We have the online check-in and the, the wall board showing people where they are in the queue. We're right. introducing a texting uh, program here shortly and, and um, uh, iPhone apps and Android apps. and uh, Those things are really... Uh, Podcasts. Yeah, shout out to the podcast. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, technology. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a great answer. And you don't think about technology impacting the salon industry so much. But from the client's perspective, that's a big plus. Mm-hmm. That's a big plus. And it also gives us a lot of good information that helps us uh, run the business, a scheduling tool. It's a fantastic tool. Uh, when I started out, we didn't have computers. We had spreadsheets. Right. You know, and we had Dot point matrix book. printers. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, we had appointment books, and, and everything was done manually. We had right. client record cards. I mean, literally wow. cards. Oh, like, a, and, like a flip, you know, kind of thing? Like a, well, yeah. it, 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 they were four by six, I think, and, and okay. we had boxes of those damn things. Like a Rolodex kind of thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it, was, it was really interesting to do. In the full-service business, we had 
all kind of questions on there and, and what kind of style and this and that and other and what, what do you like, what do you don't like, you're allergic to this and that and other. Ladies would sit down and fill out that thing and take 10, 15 yeah, minutes. Of course. You, you give a card like that to a guy. <laughs> He's walking out. He's a walkout. <laughs> hey, I want a haircut. Exactly. I don't give you my life history. When we started uh, Sport Clinton in our computer system, we used the last four digits of your phone number as okay. identifier. Um, and uh, then we asked for the zip code so we knew where people were coming from. And guys go like, what do you want to know? Uh-huh. Uh, what yeah. are you going to do with that information? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're already distrustful. <laughs> what, of, what, of what that. can we do with and that now information? Look where we are. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, it's been interesting to see how it evolved. Yeah, I love it. All right. So uh, I, I usually have a list of five to ten questions since I know I'm going to have you on a future podcast when we talk about chair. Well, did I get to drive that car yet? Twenty eight pack. Uh, uh, we, we'll answer that offline. Uh, I know I'm going to ha- hopefully have you on a future podcast. I'm only going to ask you five of these questions, but I cannot uh, ask follow ups. Okay. All right? All right. So these are just for fun. Which superpower would you most like to have? Did I don't already? <laughs> <laughs> you just answered it. Thank you. Okay. Number two. What is your personal motto? Well, I think what I said is Zig Ziglar's. Uh, yeah. You can have anything you want if you help other people get what they want. Okay. Other than where you live now, where else in the world would you most like to live? Probably on the beach in South Carolina. Okay. Still have a fondness for South Carolina Beach. The low country in South Carolina is pretty terrific. Who is a celebrity? I mean, you've met a lot, but who is a celebrity you would most like to meet one day? That I haven't. I have met a lot. Yes. One of the most fun was Muhammad Ali. You know, that you've already met, right? Well, it's too late now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the ones that you would uh, like to meet. I'd like to meet. Um, oh, Chad, I, I should have been thinking about this. Uh, We're fine. Warren Buffett, I think, although I've met oh. Warren, but just briefly. Okay, uh, but yeah. not a uh, sit-down conversation, have a meal with. That's what we're talking about. I met him on the starting grid at Daytona one year. Yeah. Because he's involved with M&M's helping the Morris family buy Wrigley's chewing gum, I think it was. Uh-huh. And so he was uh, Coach Gibbs' guest. Okay. And, and he was down there sponsoring Kyle Bush. And I think we were sponsoring Joey Logano at the time. Okay, so this is five, six years ago. So he was standing He was standing there with Coach Gibbs and – and and uh, coach is motion to me and come over. We qualified second or third, I think it was. Maybe that time we may have been on the pole, and they qualified fifth. And so coach gives it. Gordon, come up here and meet, meet uh, Warren Buffett. So I'm over and said, Mr. Buffett, I just want to point out to you, you know, if for just a few dollars more, you too could be. <laughs> <laughs> How did that go over? <laughs> he had a good sense of yeah, humor. Okay. I was going to say, maybe that's the last time that you got to meet him. He, he, he seemed to have a good sense of humor. I like it. Uh, last question. Uh, which words or phrases do you most often overuse? <laughs> um, that um, is not uh, that, that is suitable for broadcast. I I, should I, I, that's why I had to think of yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know that. Uh, hopefully, I don't uh, no. use any particular words too much. 
a man of a uh, few words but many actions. How about that? Well, and, thank and you. Many very successes. Much. So it. it's been a pleasure having you. Uh, our guest today is what's what's the B stand for? Gordon B. Logan Baker. My Baker. mother's my mother's maiden name. My mother's maiden name, Gordon Baker Logan. <laughs> and this has been Chad Jordan. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We hope to see you again, and you'll have a listen soon. Thank y'all.